Please open your Bibles to John chapter 17. The last time we were together, we studied verses 1 through 4. So today we'll be picking it up in verse 5, but let's just go ahead and uh, start reading in verse 1 again. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So, like we discussed last time, Jesus is praying to the Father in heaven here. And he continues on in verse 5 by saying, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you, before the world was. Now, this is a very powerful verse of Scripture because it speaks to the fact of who Jesus really is. He says here that he was with the Father before the world was. You see, this verse speaks very directly to the divinity of Jesus Christ, and it ties right in with what we studied back in John chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, you see, the Word of God is what spoke everything into being in terms of creation as we know it. The Word of God then became flesh and dwelt among us here on this earth. Now, we're going to talk a lot about this topic today, okay? But let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Go ahead and mark your page here in John chapter 17, but turn to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. It's between the book of uh, Song of Solomon and Jeremiah, right in between those two. Feel free to go ahead and use the table of contents in the front of your Bible if you need help finding the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, let's start reading in verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. So you see, the scriptures make it very clear that Jesus Christ is God. 
This child that Isaiah is speaking of here, this child that was born, God's son that was given to us is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And there will never be an end to his eternal kingdom. Let's stay on this topic and let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation is the very last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 1. And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Okay, now just a quick comment on that sentence there. The book of Revelation was written to reveal to those that serve Jesus the things that must take place in the future. It continues on, it says, And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. You see, anyone who says that Jesus Christ is not God denies the very Word of God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was there with the Father before the world was, and He came to the earth in human flesh. He washed us from our sins in His own blood. And he is coming again, and every eye will see him. But how can this be? How can, can God be on the throne in heaven, hearing a prayer from Jesus as we saw there in John 17, and yet be here on the earth in the flesh? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is the first book of your Bible. We're going to look at the first chapter. Now, some of what I'm going to, to say here we have touched on in weeks past, but I do believe that repetition is 
of the utmost importance when studying God's Word. God's Word is a living, active Word. You can never get enough. And we've got to continue to rightly divide it like we talked about last time as well. So let's Genesis chapter 1. And uh, let's start reading in verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay. Now, God has determined that we need to know a certain amount of information about him. In Genesis here, we see a recorded account of the beginning of time as you and I now know it. And we could do a deep study on many different things here, and someday we will. But in sticking with the context for our study today, it says there in verse 2, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, keep this in mind. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Turn to the Gospel of John again. We're going to look at John chapter 4. And let's uh, look at verse 24. It says there, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Okay, so the point that I want to make clear here is that God is spirit. Remember, we saw back in Genesis that the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, we cannot see God. Why? Because God is a spirit. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy is toward the back of your Bible. All the books that begin with the letter T are all together. So if you find one, you're getting close. Uh, 1 Timothy is between 2 Thessalonians and 2 Timothy. And just as you're turning there, I'm just going to remind you of what we just, what we just looked at. God is spirit. It's that very spirit that was there in the beginning, hovering over the face of the waters, before all of creation, right? So then 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So what are we learning here? God is an invisible spirit, eternal and immortal. Now, none of us can fully understand God. In this human flesh of ours, we understand only a little. For the most part, we understand that which we can grasp with our five senses. If we can't see it, touch it, hear it, smell it, or taste it, 
we don't comprehend it. We have physical limitations right now that someday we will no longer have. Okay, But that doesn't mean we can't understand the things of the Spirit of God because God reveals them to us in His Word. And that's why we're studying His Word. Okay, But God chose to make Himself known. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. God the Spirit chose to make Himself known. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And let's start in verse 18. So Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to, to Joseph. Now, okay, so what's that mean? That means they're engaged to be married. And it says before they came together. That means they've not touched each other physically. She was found with child of who? Who's it say? She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Okay, keep that in mind. Verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You see, you and me today are formed in a womb in a completely different way than Jesus was formed in the womb of Mary. Mary conceived a human being within her womb that was from the invisible, eternal, everlasting spirit that is God himself. God the Spirit wanted to make himself become just like us, so he came into the world just like us. Okay? Turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians is to the right of where we are now. It's between 2 Corinthians and Ephesians. So right after the book of 2 Corinthians, you'll find Galatians. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? I put that why there. That's not in your Bible. Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. That is why God, who is a spirit, became flesh so that he could redeem us from the punishment that the law said our sins deserved. But like I said, you and I cannot completely comprehend God who is a spirit. So what do we do? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. We can't understand a spirit. We can't understand how God can be on the throne and yet here on the earth, but he is a spirit. He's not like us us in that sense. But he became like us by becoming flesh and bone and being born of a woman. 
So, so let's just reiterate all this. God is a spirit. By the spirit of God, Mary became pregnant. God entered her womb. He was then born of flesh and bone. And the purpose that he did this, the purpose for, for him coming to the earth was to redeem us because we were separated from God. We were, our sins separated us from this holy God. So, and the incomprehensible, indescribable, almighty, all-powerful spirit that he is, he remained the Father in heaven on his throne while becoming God in the flesh on this earth. So we have God the Father and God the Son that we're looking at here in this study. Then as it says in verse 6 of Galatians 4, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So, as people that have repented and turned their lives over to faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God now is in our hearts, and we can call on Him as Abba, Father, which the, the word Abba there means Papa or Daddy. In other words, God wants us to know Him closely and intimately, and He wants us to call Him in the way that a child calls on a loving Daddy. So back in John 17, Jesus prayed to the Father and said in verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Okay, remember we studied that. Go ahead and turn back there if you have it. John chapter 17, verse 5. So we can spend a lot of time on the topic of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit being one, and we'll do that sometime in the future. But, you know, these verses that we're looking at today really help to clear that up. But let's go ahead and continue on now in our study of John chapter 17. Okay, it says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. So God, this Spirit, became flesh, gave these words to Jesus Christ, and He gave them to these men, here on the earth. And now Jesus is praying back to the Father. And, and he goes on there to say, And they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, here in these verses, Jesus is speaking of the disciples that have been following him and learning from him for about three years now. But in these verses, we see some very key things that still apply to those that believe in Jesus. Jesus gave the disciples words from the Father. Today, you and me have the Word of God. It's our Bibles, right? So, we have the words of God. 
The disciples received and believed the words of God, which Jesus gave to them. And and those words testified to the fact that Jesus came from God, right? Who is the Spirit. And today, you and me need to receive and believe the truth of the Word of God in order to be born again. Because 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 23, and I'm going to encourage you to, to write that down and look that up on your own. 1 Peter 1, 23 says that we are born again through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. That's how we're born again, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. That Word, which is Spirit, cuts through goes into us. It's a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, tells us that. The Word of God does something within us. We, we come to the knowledge. God is drawing us to Jesus through His Word working within us, and we're born again. That's why I put so much emphasis on teaching the Bible like this. Okay. Now, in verse 9, Jesus says to the Father in heaven, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So there again, Jesus proclaims that he and the Father are one. We also studied before that Jesus said that when you've seen him, you've seen the Father. But Jesus is praying for his disciples that will still be in the world after he leaves the world. Today, You and me are in the world as believers in Jesus Christ, people who have been born again through the Word of God. And we belong to the Father and to Jesus, and we are kept by Him as we go through this world. I, for one, cannot imagine going through the many difficulties of this life without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus continues in verse 12, He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the spirit might be fulfilled. Excuse me, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Let me read that again because I just messed it up. While I was with them in the world, I have kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus is obviously referring here to Judas. Then in verse 13, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You see, God's purpose for us is that we would have joy in our lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil, Satan himself wants to steal that joy. 
But God wants joy fulfilled in our lives. And joy comes from us abiding in Jesus. You see, many people believe that bad things are not supposed to happen. But that's simply a lie. It's not true. This world is full of bad. Good people die. Bad people die. Babies die. Teenagers die. Old people die. People get sick. People lose their jobs. People lose their homes. But let's not forget that we are not of this world. Spiritually, you see, we are here physically, but we are just passing through. And when it comes to our mental state, if you will, we should be focused on Jesus and His Word and not be expecting too much out of this life. This life is temporal. And the book of James says that this life is but a vapor. It goes by quick. I mean, how the years just fly by, it's amazing. If you are rooted and grounded in thinking that this world will be a good place, then you will be sorely disappointed and you will have the wrong perception of, of or perspective of, of who God is. You've got to, to read the full counsel and study the Word of God and know that we're just passing through here. This place is not our home. We've been born again, and we're not of this world. Let's go on. Uh, verse 14, I have given them your word, Jesus says, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. There it is right there. That's what we're talking about. For a person that has been born again, being not of this world should be more than just a bumper sticker. So many people want to wear their faith on the outside of their cars, on their wristbands, on their shirts, or even on their skin. But they don't have the Word of God in their hearts. That's why they go on living in the ways of this world. You ever wonder why you struggle, you're a believer in Jesus, but yet you struggle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye? It's because... You, we Each and every day, we need the Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh, right? He is the vine. We are the branches. We've studied that. We have to stay plugged into Him. And the way we stay plugged into Him is by staying plugged into His Word. I can't do it apart from Jesus. You can't do it apart from Jesus. No one can. You see, Christianity starts as an inward conviction. Let me express that differently, okay? Because there's what's done in the name of Christianity is sad nowadays, okay? But being born again is an inward conviction. And then it becomes an outward expression. Let me say that again. Being born again starts as an inward conviction, and then becomes an outward expression. But as born-again believers in Jesus, we are in the world and should not be of the world. And Jesus says in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them 
out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And that's the key right there. We are here in this world, but we are not to be led by the evil one. Satan comes, like I said, to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he came, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Don't blame death and destruction on God. And don't fool yourself into believing that this life is going to be some fairy tale with a wonderfully happy ending. Now, I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom here. This is just reality. We face problems in this life. Jesus promised that he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But you see, this place is not our final destination. It's just the stop along the way. We're here for a certain period of time, and none of us know the number of our days. Now, verse 16 here should apply to all of us that claim to be born again. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus is our example. He was not of this world, and nor should we be. And like I said, it's not just a bumper sticker. It's not just a t-shirt. It's not just a tattoo. It's a way of life. You've been born again. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. It takes place on the inside, not on the outside. That's why religion falls so short. That's why man's ways and man's attempts to get close to God fall so short. And God knew this, so he himself became flesh and came to redeem us. But how do we get there? What is it that makes us not of this world? Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There it is again. It's the word of God. We will never know the things we need to know about God without knowing God's word. His word is truth, and it has the effect in our lives of sanctifying us, making us righteous, making us pure before God. It's only his word, and it does it from the inside. Out. Turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 119. You'll find the book of Psalms around the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119. And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Now let me pause right there and say, where do we find the Lord's testimonies? We find them in our Bibles, don't we? The Word of God. And then it goes on, Who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You see, when we abide in the Word of God, that, like I said earlier, 
is the only way to keep ourselves from walking in iniquity. We all will go astray if not for the power of the Word of God. It's the Word of God that causes us to be born again and to know Jesus. Verse 4, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Now notice there that it doesn't say that we can keep his precepts loosely or half-heartedly or on certain days of the week, maybe on Sunday or on Wednesday or something like that. We are to keep his precepts diligently. Verse 5, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Do you see that? We praise him with uprightness of heart when we learn his righteous judgments. And how do we learn his righteous judgments? We learn them from his word. There again, comes right back to the word of God. Verse 8, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You see, church attendance will not cleanse your way unless you are hearing the word of God. Bumper stickers and tattoos do not proclaim that your way is clean. Taking heed to the word of God is the only way to cleanse your way. Now, I'm not putting down, don't send me emails and everything about your bumper stickers, about your tattoos, and about all that stuff. I'm just pointing you back to the simple facts that it is the Word of God and that being born again is something that takes place on the inside. If you're wearing all this stuff on the outside, but it, you're, not the, you're not into the Word of God, which has cleansed you and made your way clean, then it may be that you're just walking in religion. It may be that you've just created your own religion like many others do, and you're just walking in it. Okay? Verse 10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Wow. Think about that. Do we rejoice in the word and the testimonies of the Lord as much as we do in riches? Are you just as happy when you increase in your knowledge of the Lord as you are when your bank account increases? Ouch. <laughs> that hurts, doesn't it? It hits, hits close to home. But, but what's being emphasized here is the importance of the Word of God. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. See, there you see it. We're strangers in this earth. 
We're keeping the word of the Lord. We're walking in His ways, in His statutes. We're meditating on His precepts. These are some extremely powerful verses of Scripture. Okay? We've got to stay focused on Jesus, the Word made flesh. And the way we stay focused on Him, don't kid yourself, you got to be in your Bible. Growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. And that's why I do these studies. To help you along that way. And to help myself. Believe me. (laughs) I learn and I grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. As I continue to study His Word. And I've been studying it for coming up on 25 years now. And I'm constantly learning something new from it. Let's turn to... To John chapter 6. We're almost done here for today. John chapter 6. And let's look down at verse 63. Jesus is speaking here. John chapter 6 verse 63. By the way, in case I haven't mentioned this for a while, I do read from the New King James Version of the Bible. So I'm not sure what you're using out there, but just so you know what I'm reading from. John uh, chapter 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So you see, we must stay in the Word of God. Because the word of God is spirit and it gives us life. And the life that it gives us is an abundant life where we know the truth and are therefore set free by that truth. And we have joy fulfilled in our hearts because we are not focused on the things of this world and the heartaches that this world can bring. But instead, we are focused on Jesus and the eternal life that awaits us in heaven above. So do you see this whole picture coming together? God is a spirit, Jesus said. He said, them that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That spirit impregnated Mary and became flesh. Jesus Christ walked on this earth, grew up on this earth, went to the cross on this earth, died on that cross, was buried and rose again, walked amongst his disciples, ascended back into heaven, told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you comfortless and alone. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled the people and went out. And then the Holy Spirit took the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, The message of we need to die to ourselves and we now need to be born of the Spirit. And how are we now born of the Spirit? We are now born of the Spirit by the Word of God. Like we read in 1 Peter. That's how we're born again. Through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. So we take the Word of God and we hide it in our heart that we might not sin against Him. And the word of God cleanses our way like we read in Psalm 119. So do you see that picture? It really is that simple. And you can come to that place today. Surrender 
your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your heart completely to him. And, and, and I mean that word, surrender. Let go. No longer will you have control of your life. You're surrendering it all to him. Yes, you're going to be in this world. Jesus prayed. He don't want us out of this world. We're in this world. We've all been given a certain number of years here on this earth. Okay, and you're going to walk through this life and you got things to do. You got a job you got to go to. You got bills you have to pay. You got all of this stuff. That's all part of this life. But internally, from the inside, you are born again of the spirit of God and you are focused on Jesus Christ. And this happens when you surrender. And yes, it, take, it is a choice. It's not forced upon you. And it's a commitment that you make. You say, I'm dead to me. Um, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, right? It's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, we still have this life in the flesh. We live it by faith in him. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's that simple. But Satan... Your flesh, this world, wants to keep you from the simplicity of the truth of the gospel. But now, you hear it. Now, you're accountable because you've heard the truth. But the choice is yours. But God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. He became flesh and dwell upon this earth, and he gave up his earthly life so that we can come to have an eternal life in him, a hope and a future in him. God bless. Thanks for listening. Write us if you have any questions, info at aloveoutreach.com. Let us know you're listening, and let us know you're being blessed by these teachings. God bless.